You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash peerpleasure. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Check it out today. Again, folks, this is Dewey from the Peer Pleasure Podcast. Welcome back. We're glad to have you another week. Today, my guest is Colin Frangicetto from the mighty Circa Survive. I know a lot of you guys have heard Circa Survive. Most of you have probably heard of This Day Forward, Colin's band previous. We talk a lot about uh, those days touring together uh, back in the early 2000s all the way to now. Uh, we span his whole career so far and talk a lot about... Uh, Circa has a tour coming up next year, the On Letting Go 10th Anniversary Tour. We talk about the Nostalgia Tours. We talk about uh, quite a lot of subjects. So uh, if you're interested in Circa Survive, you're going to get a lot out of this one. Uh, Colin's also a very talented artist. We're probably going to do a part two uh, on this on this interview because we didn't get a chance to talk much about his artwork, but his artwork is fantastic. ColinFrangicetto.com. Check it out if you get a chance after this episode's over. or If you're on the computer, check it out right now. But uh, let's go ahead and get into this interview with Colin Frangicetto uh, here on the Peer Pleasure Podcast. So uh, welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. I am joined today by Colin Frangicetto, correct? Oh, yeah. That's how it's pronounced. I wanted to make sure I pronounced yeah. it correct. I've always just called you Colin or Tour Manager Colin, if you remember. I don't know. but uh, <laughs> Colin and I met I on the Radio Takeover Tour, I think it was 2004, 2005, maybe 2003, uh, with Jesus. Bear vs. Shark and This Day Forward, and, and I know Nick Storch kind of put you in the place of being the tour manager so we always joked about that but yeah <laughs> anyways thanks thanks nick yeah thanks for that thanks for that pleasure uh nick <laughs> if he's out there <laughs> well cool man so so uh what's going on with you you're out uh you're out in pennsylvania uh gonna work on the new circuit record right that is correct awesome have yeah. you guys started writing anything yet um yeah here and there um we we basically just got done taking about a year off um mm -hmm. So everybody could kind of do other things and, um, you know, it's just kind of our, it's like kind of the way we operate now is we try to hit it really hard for like a year and a half to two years, like a record cycle and, mm -hmm. and then take a good chunk of time off. Um, I think it kind of just prolongs our life and 
keeps us all like happy. So okay. Um, but yeah, we've been doing a little bit of just kind of passing stuff back and forth. Uh, we like share a folder online and just basically dump ideas into that. And yeah, the last record and this one are kind of are um, we're doing the record a different way where we don't really uh, write very much before we hit the studio and we essentially go in there pretty fresh and just try to like really enjoy the process of coming up with things on the, on the, on the fly and, and experimenting in in the studio, which is just stuff we never really got a chance to do for most of our career. Cause I'm sure as you remember, just the way of recording is just like for most of us, it's, learn the parts and make sure you can execute them really fast. So you don't have to spend any money in the studio. Um, so, um, we have a friend that records, records us and we have a really good thing with him. So we don't really have that pressure anymore, which is really fun. That's amazing. That's awesome. Did, did, uh, did he do the last record for you guys or yes? Okay. Yeah. We started working with Will, um, actually, uh, back in Violent Waves was the first record we ever worked with him, mm-hmm. um, but uh, Desensus was the first record that he ever produced for us, and uh, yeah, so we we just have a great rapport with him. He's actually done I think the last two Anthony's uh, solo records. Um, he helped me, like he let me use his studio to finish my solo record way back a few years back, and uh-huh. um, so he, he's just um, Will Yip is a just a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> and so you guys can just, I mean, you don't really have a, a set schedule. I mean, you can go in and just work. I mean, is there a, is there, are you guys self-releasing this? Um, no, I mean, more than likely not. Uh, we, we kind of have a new, another thing that we have been doing uh-huh. is we do like one record deals pretty much at this point. Oh, um, okay. we'll never, we'll never take uh, self-releasing off the table, mm-hmm. um, because it's a great option to have obviously. And it's very, you know, you can do everything, you know, it's very, I don't know. Uh, it's amazing where things have gotten to, um, as far as what you can do yourself these days. Uh, but, we like to just kind of stay open and as long as there are things on the table to look at, we, um, yeah, we like to just do one record with, you know, agreement and, uh, every record is kind of like a new adventure and see who we can kind of partner up with. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time when you can kind of just like, all right, we, we don't have to get chained down to this, but it'll be a new experience. And, that's kind of really what it's all about after you've been a band for 10 plus years. It's like, what's a new experience for us? What's a new, what's something we haven't done before? Some people we haven't worked with before, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, Uh, that's really cool because the, the, the whole process sounds like it's just going to be one big, uh, one big artistic output and then it moves on. Like it's like a, uh, yes, that's, uh, that's so cool. Cause that's, I mean, that seems like a dream for most bands where they don't aren't tied down to this multi-record deal or or trying to, you know, spend so many years recouping and then and then the label blends those together into your recoupment so you're never going to recoup. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um it was almost kind of like, you know, when we did self-release Violent Waves, that was us kind of um throwing down and saying, "Listen, we know we can do this." Mm-hmm. Um and then so once you have that on on your side and you have that knowledge and that confidence, um, you know, I mean, if a label understands the fact that you could already do it on your own, they are forced to come to the table with something else that maybe you couldn't do. Um, and what what can they offer you? And, um, you know, so that's and I think also, I, I mean, any band that has the ability to self-release should just so you know everything that goes into it and you're going to have a more, you know, illuminated perspective when you're working with the company as far as, you know, if they're wasting resources or if, you know, you have an idea, you'll know whether or not it's executable or not. And, uh, you know, in general, I think we're, we're very like self-aware of our strengths. We're very self-aware of like, um, you know, who we are as a band, you know, we're not really going to be, 
pushed into that corner that a lot of bands get pushed in where they're they feel this pressure to kind of play ball and do things maybe they don't feel comfortable doing because it's like oh well maybe that'll get us to that place where we can grab that brass ring and jump Mm -hmm. to the next level and have a you know number one hit on the radio (laughs) or whatever (laughs) that's like you know we know we're not that band and we know that you know if that were to ever happen it would be out of complete like just sheer random maybe i won't even say luck because that's not necessarily a lucky position to find yourself in but Mm -hmm. just random circumstances can lead you there but we're not going to we're not going to write any differently. We're not going to, you know, do anything that we don't want to do to try to get there because it's just not where we are in our career and it's not what we want. So Sure. And you guys have a fan base. I mean, worldwide fan base. I mean, you guys have yeah. done what South America, the Philippines. I mean, you've gone everywhere. It seems yeah, like we, with power. The only place really left that we haven't, that we really, really want to go is Japan. And it's been, it's been a really long time coming and I'm hoping that this next record will bring us there. Um, it's just, you know, when you have a couple guys that have, uh, past, past records and things like that, it's hard yeah. to get over there. Yeah. And get a visa or whatever and, and, and get into yeah. the country. Mm-hmm. I see that man. And so, I mean, that, that right there is, is just awesome because you, you are going to be just completely, you know, on your, on your own as much as you can be. You won't have necessarily the responsibility of self-releasing, but you, you hold all the cards and that's what bands starting out always fight for. Like, Oh, I want to get a manager. I want to get a label, you know, Mm -hmm. well, you need to come at them with something that you already have. So they want you and they have to give you something instead of giving you the worst deal ever. Like I think we took best. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but, uh, everybody was like you know young and yeah know, i think all of us had had different experiences where you know you i wouldn't even say you get taken advantage of it's just like really that's just the nature of the beast when you're young and in need of of help and don't really know what you're doing it's just we have, we've all been there yeah yeah and it's i mean we when we came up it was a it was a different time for sure i mean and it was it was just such a good time. I mean, everyone, I yes. mean, the, the tour lifestyle was great. Cause everyone was like a family. And I mean, I remember we were switching vans back and forth. Like people were riding with mm-hmm. certain people. I, re- I was thinking about this last night as I was prepping for the podcast. My, one of my memories of you from that tour was we were in, uh, man, I don't know where we were. We were on the East coast. I think we were in New York, but you had, yes. you had rid with us one night and everyone was so yep. tired and it was packed and you were literally sleeping in the trough where the sliding door is in the van, no blanket, yep. <laughs> nothing, just curled up like a cat. And I was like, man, this <laughs> is the life. I think yeah, we had I just could... gotten a, 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 a pre-release of the Mars Volta record, that first Mars mm-hmm. Volta record that didn't have all the effects on it yet. Yeah. And that became like currency to where I think the Bear vs. Shark guys were trying to offer us all these things to get, to just to get the <laughs> get, CDR. Copy of it. Yeah. <laughs> Because it sounded so much better without all those. I mean, it was, it was too many effects. But uh, <laughs> that being said, I mean, you guys, I remember when you guys first first came out and I heard the music. I mean, it was just so far advanced from anything I'd expected or heard before. Um, you guys, I mean, just have such an intricate style. I mean, the guitar interplay um, and then Anthony's vocals. I mean, you have a lot going on there. Is Has your writing process changed? Uh, I mean, I, of course it probably has, but how has it changed, I guess, till now? Yeah. Um, you know what? I think the one thing that's made, that's kind of like remained a constant is, uh, cause it's definitely ebbed and flowed over the years and changed a lot based mm-hmm. on just, I think us trying new things. And, um, but the one thing that's just kind of never gone away is that, um, even from day one, there was nothing there was we were, we just kind of knew that there was no way we could ever write anything or be a band that we weren't you know and that, that might sound kind of strange but it's kind of like we we would just play together as a group and what you heard especially on that first record really that was not you know, some mastermind engineered sound. It really was the sound of the five of us playing and, and what we, what we all kind of came up with naturally on the spot. And, um, I think that's what made 
circus sound really happened was just that all of us pulled different influences and all of us uh, had different ways of playing. And, you know, I think me not really being uh, a guitar player, I, I was a drummer before that. And um, Steve not really even being a rock drummer. He was coming from like a metal background. And, um, you know, all of us just having these interesting kind of side notes to our um you know our playing styles and writing styles um kind of kind of just made us what we were and and ever since that we were just one of those lucky bands that the first record we put out people really liked and we we got a following pretty early so we just had that confidence from from the start that we should always just write from the heart write from like what feels right what interests us and never try to be something we're not never try to you know write something just in an effort to gain an audience or anything like that it was just um you know we're just i guess very very lucky that that happened that way and we never uh really ever looked back just kind of kept making records in a pure way and that's the way we write music to this day um you know as far as the actual nitty-gritty of it and handling all the different stuff that's happening when you're listening. Um, I, I think that's just, uh, after each record, you just kind of, um, get this arsenal of stuff that, you know, you like, and they're kind of like, you know, magic tricks of like, Oh, we could kind of pull this one out at this point where, you know, the two guitars are doing their thing and mm -hmm. the bass and drums are holding it down and Anthony can kind of go to this other place. And, um, so yeah, we have all these kind of like tricks up our sleeve at this point that we know work, but we always try to kind of like push the envelope of what we're doing. And, um, yeah, it's always exciting to kind of go into new places where you're not exactly sure, uh, what you're going to get out of it, but yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling at this point, but no, that's, it's actually pretty accurate. <laughs> I mean, did you write, did you write on, uh, on guitar for, uh, this day forward or did you just strictly do drums? Um, no, I, especially towards the end, I I'd say like, uh, the last full length and even the EP before that I had a lot of, um, influence on the guitar writing, but it's not that I didn't knew what I was doing or anything. I just like had a guitar and, just start i kind of just picked it up and started writing stuff and um you know out, kind of out of necessity because i was feeling like see the, that band was a different story i felt like um we were consistently evolving and trying to just change our sound and not not for any reason of like popularity we actually got less popular um <laughs> because we were in the hardcore scene but we were all interested in um more like post-hardcore music and strange like experimental music and we wanted to you know obviously you knowing the guys in this day forward we mm -hmm. weren't very we weren't typical hardcore kids uh not at we're all. all we were all weirdos and not tough and we we liked angry music we liked loud um aggressive music but um you know we were always kind of trying to do it in a way that matched our personality, which was weird and I would say more effeminate. And, um, yeah, so that was really my, uh, in response, the last, this day forward record was my first really, like I was playing guitar every day, writing songs on a four track. And, um, a lot of that stuff, you know, became i think the beginning seedlings of the, of like some circa ideas like i was writing a lot of two guitar part stuff that had this leaning towards no rhythm guitar very like kind of flowy being held down by you know a super distorted bass and that was kind of like i was leaning towards that towards the end of that band and mm -hmm. um the beginning of Circa was kind of like a couple ideas I had. Anthony just sang over them, and that was the start of it. So okay, and that's one yeah. thing I didn't know. I mean that that uh, in response record. I mean I still listen to that at the gym. I still. I mean it's such <laughs> a awesome. genuine, pure record. I mean it's just like you said. You guys weren't hardcore kids, and that was what was. Yeah. Cool. That's what made it genuine. You weren't you weren't posturing or anything. I mean it was just you know. Uh, Mike would be out, you know, reading his books and whatever else, and then just come <laughs> in and rip your face off. 
And yeah. it was just because it was it was exactly what hardcore needed to be, and it was that just pure exertion of aggression. And yeah. I mean, he's spinning around, and everyone's just going nuts, and and uh, <laughs> watching Brendan just like rock back and forth, and just you know, even the guitar he was playing wasn't hardcore. You know, it was like just no, a. I was like, not. man, look at that, and he's still to this day. I mean, he's got the coolest guitars. But uh, yeah. how did how did that dynamic change for you? Going from drummer and with Brendan, going drummer and guitar to right. both guitar players. How did that go for you? Uh, it was really cool. I mean, again, like the the interesting thing is is that Circa really did start as Anthony and I. Um, mm-hmm. At least the initial genesis was um, the two of us. I was pretty much um, burnt. I was. I had no interest in being in a full-time band again after this day forward. I was uh, shell-shocked emotionally, you know, going from this super passionate thing that started in high school as like just a, a, you know, almost like a joke at first um, Mm. that just kind of built up steam. And then all of a sudden, you know, you blink your eyes and then, you know, four or five years later, you're sitting in a van, uh, post you know post high school and you know kind of like how did i get here like i'm in florida playing in some weird bar with a bunch of sweaty dudes and you know my life just took a weird turn during this day forward where you know i had all these other interests but somehow just kind of pushed everything aside to try to do it full time Mm -hmm. and um you know it just didn't really work for us so when we hung it up we all remained really close friends, but that was kind of the reason we broke up was because we knew if we kept going and kept trying that it would probably ruin our relationship. And, mm. um, you know, we were all in debt by the end and all that stuff. And, um, so yeah, when, when Anthony and I first got together and he sang over these full band ideas that I had written myself, um, it was kind of like, Oh shit all right, I guess this is really happening. We submitted a couple demos, uh, to EVR. I wouldn't even say we submitted, like Dan just asked me what we were working on mm-hmm. and I uh, sent it to him and he was like, well, we want to sign you <laughs> and we didn't have, and we didn't have a band yet. So I was like, well, um, and at that point, Brendan had started to like hit me up and ask me what, you know, if I wanted to do another band and I was kind of like, well, I'm kind of working on something, but, you know, here, check it out. And like, so I sent him the two songs and kind of without hesitation, uh, as Brendan just kind of rolls, he, he recorded two other guitar parts on both of the songs and sent them back to me and was like, (laughs) let me in your band (laughs) basically. Um, and I was like, okay, like, uh, so it was interesting to go from like being a drummer playing with him to all of a sudden being like, you know, these two guitar players and you know a two guitar band the the guitarists kind of are going to have a dynamic and they're going to have a relationship um sonically and mm-hmm. you know i always felt um kind of honored that brendan you know brendan's such an amazing player he's an he's a super unique interesting guitar player but beyond that he's ridiculously talented and um very technically proficient and Mm -hmm. i'm way more like you know not to even like rag on myself i just i consider myself more of a rhythm player even when i'm not playing rhythm if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense um uh, i like to almost blend in to the point where like you know you don't really know what parts i'm playing but Mm -hmm. if you took me out of the mix it would sound super empty you know yeah um so i like kind of blending in like that and um brendan gave me a huge boost of confidence in the in the beginning and just really um kind of made me feel comfortable being my own type of guitar player and he would mm-hmm. compliment me a lot on you know it's just really cool the stuff you come up with it's not it's not the it's not what anyone um with a normal guitar background would and uh yeah, so we have a lot of respect for each other, and um, I think we're always kind of influencing each other anytime we bring ideas to the table. Um, we have very different points of view and very different um, strengths, but 
we really admire each other's kind of like um, creative processes and what mm-hmm. we come up with, I think, winds up kind of becoming that circuit guitar sound. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's super important to know that your spot, too. I mean, where you're talking about, you're more of a foundation, it sounds like, yeah. and he's more of the, the decorator. Like, it's it's uh, yeah. playing on both your strengths, like you said. And that's, I mean, that that sound is just so unique. I mean, I Thanks, remember man. listening to, uh, like, once again, <laughs> listening to the first record, it sounded almost like you guys said, here's the key, mm-hmm. and here's how long it's going to go. You record your part, <laughs> and you record your part. And somehow, they fit together so tightly. And I think someone yeah. told me that, too. They're like, oh, man, they record their parts separately and then just put them together. And I was like, I don't think it's that, <laughs> I don't think it's that far, but... Uh, so uh, it actually was. At, it, are at, you at, serious? At a, at, a, at a certain point in the beginning, it, it was like that because um, I think just again, like you get you get put through the ringer with past bands, and when you get that second chance, uh, we just kind of like really didn't squander it, and we were just kind of like, let's do something different and uh, try stuff. And um, so when we were actually in the studio recording Juturna parts. Um, and even some on letting go because it wound up working so well. Mm-hmm. Um, we both told McTurnan that we didn't want to hear what the other one had tracked um, because because like when we would actually go into the booth and record our parts, a lot of it would change on mm-hmm. the fly, and a lot of it would from whatever the demos were or whatever. And uh, so we kind of were like, let's like not even listen to what the other person did and just see if that affects if if you know if we wind up coming with some interesting stuff because of that. Obviously, there's some trial and error. You wind up hitting some shit that you don't that don't work well together, sure. and you wind up you know fixing it. But um, that was an experimental process that we still kind of keep as in our bag of tricks to this day. Like it's just one of those things that if you do that in the studio, you are bound to come up with some stuff that you wouldn't if you were listening and trying to compliment someone else's playing. It was kind of like, just pretend that I don't exist and see what you do. Uh-huh. Um, so we did that. And then also I think another thing that adds to our our guitar sound is that um, from the first two records, uh, starting with those first two demos that Brendan put himself on without asking, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he, he was in a different tuning than I was. So he was a, he was a half step down from where I was and he wrote all of his parts that way. And then when we actually got together and we realized this, we were like, well, maybe we should always be a half step apart. So the first two records, he's consistently a half step um, above me and I am yeah, a half step below him. Um, and so what that does you know, it's kind of just like, okay, big deal, you're in different tunings, but what it does is it, you have different open strings, so you, there are just sounds that are possible with that combination that aren't if you don't have that tuning difference, so. Interesting, so it's kind of like a, like a, a more organic kind of chorus sound, almost, with, where it's slightly detuned, but it's, it it works out that way, that's crazy. Yeah, so there's that, and there's just also the if you think about it, um, if you think about playing guitar, you know you can. You, there's a lot of stuff that you can have that choice of: do I play this um, and incorporate the open string, or do I try to fret it? And there's mm-hmm. just a different sound that happens when you're playing a riff that incorporates an open string. And um, so, with that said, one person could be doing an open string type of riff, and the other person's more supporting it. Um, and it's just it gives you a wider range as a band mm-hmm. of open noted riffs, um, and it also so it makes you kind of forces you into different keys. And I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a weird box to put yourself in. Yeah, it's yeah, fun. And it's <laughs> got to be a nightmare for your tech. Uh, a funny story yeah. about that. I I was talking to Joe the other day, Joe from Anatomy of a Ghost, who went out with you guys oh as God, a tech. So funny. Yeah. And he said I think it was the first night of the tour. He had to or handed Brendan the wrong guitar or in the wrong tuning, and it was the first mm-hmm. song of the set, and he started it, and it just hit yep. completely wrong. And oh, yes. I remember him, him calling me and telling me that story. He's like, "Dude, they're gonna fire me. They're gonna fire me." <laughs> Dude, we still talk about that to this day because it was the the it was the night of Sweet Chord Bro. 
That was Sweet what somebody Cora. said. Somebody right. yelled that out <laughs> right after right after Brendan started it in this bunk tuning. It was just like first song, first fucking chord. Uh-huh. It was just like like just totally the wrong one and somebody yelled out sweet chord bro and like we ever to this day you know 10 years later still talk about sweet chord bro and how funny that was that is so awesome i'm so glad you remember that it was that monumental oh yeah uh, now the whole world will hear it well but uh that's hilarious so another thing i didn't know i mean because we did that one tour together and i Mm -hmm. had no idea the that you and anthony were friends beforehand uh before yes. he came and started seosin and we had at kind of the same time the second we were supposed to do the second radio takeover tour i think with uh i forget who that was with i was with fear before and and someone else um but they said you know we need you to, our manager called us I was like hey you remember that demo i gave you uh seosin i was like yeah and they're like well we want you to take him out on tour for you know a week or two they're like, well, we have the East Coast thing, and they're like, well, we can bump that back. So we did, and we took out. It was the Bled, I think. It was the Bled, us, yep. and Seosin, and I don't remember really ever talking to Anthony at all. I, I those guys kind of kept to themselves, and then there's all these rumors yeah. swirling around them. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, Uh, You want to get those people paid when you put that music online, and splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits, and all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not so grown up things like hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that, uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe for Grind podcast. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. 
We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. And, uh, then all of a sudden Anthony was gone. And then yeah. you guys have started. How did that? How did that whole thing happen? I, as far as him leaving and then coming over to to start circa with you. Um, it was just one of those things where, um, you know, Anthony and I were really good friends um, long before Seosin, and we kind of grew up together in the scene here in, in Pennsylvania, always in different bands, never really doing anything together. But we had a bond where. I would say most of our friends were straight edge and the two of us were just complete lunatics Mm -hmm. taking acid and doing weird shit together. Mm -hmm. Um, So we kind of were like a pair of um, outcasts in that way and liked just a lot of this, a lot of the same really strange, weird music, um, you know, outside of the scene, you know, we connected on um, and yeah, so we had a really tight bond and always kind of talked about, you know, having a dream of starting a band together, but we just never could get the timing right. And mm-hmm. towards the end of this day forward, um, when he was out with Seosin, we would wind up just kind of like talking on the road all the time, like, you know, being, um, you know, in different states and just kind of keeping track of each other and mm-hmm. um, kind of always like, oh, we got to tour together and all this stuff. And, uh, so towards the end of uh of this day forward i i just remember a really funny moment where i was talking to my dad and and he was asking me like oh if you could like have your your super group like you could pick anybody mm-hmm. like anyone like we're talking like you could you could pick like steven tyler from aerosmith <laughs> if you wanted to like who would it be? And I just like, uh, Anthony would be my top choice. Like any, any, any day. And, uh, I remember a week later he just hit me up and was like, Hey, like, um, and this was like, uh, right after the, the last stay forward show. And, um, I, again, I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know, I'm not into playing music, but I was writing solo stuff just kind of for myself with no plan of doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, I think to exercise the demons and, um, he was like, yeah, I'm 
coming back on a, on a break, I'm going to get like uh, my wisdom teeth pulled out or whatever. I don't know. He had to get some dental surgery or some, sh- some shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turned out that things just weren't really going that well with him being out in California and being with Seosin. He was feeling like it just wasn't him and mm-hmm. that, um, you know, they were going, they wanted to go in a direction that he didn't want to go uh, as far as just like, I think, partnership wise like with labels um mm-hmm. he just had a different vision for the band and i think he also just really missed home you know he, he missed m- miss meredith he missed me yeah. he missed his um you know just being on the east coast and so when he and i started hanging out while he was home for that week we he just asked me to play him some of the stuff i was doing and and uh you know he was like oh we should we should start a band and i was like dude your band's like going to be Nirvana. Like, why do you want to, <laughs> why do you want to, <laughs> why do you want to mess around with this crap? Like, you know, and, um, so throughout that, throughout that week, we just kind of, uh, would like get together and jam or like listening, listening to four track ideas. And he would like record stuff on it. And, um, but I think a m- most of the time was spent just kind of talking. And I think it kind of solidified that we're just like, we were just very much so, on the same page about mm-hmm. a lot of our ideals and just kind of our what we felt like the kind of music that needed to be made and um yeah so by the end of that week when he was supposed to he was set to go back i think he just started saying like you know i think he knew he he would go and not come back if he didn't make some kind of drastic decision and he just kind of asked me point blank the night before and was like listen, I think I'm going to quit, um, but I need you to promise me that you'll be in a band with me. And I was just like, of course I'll be in a band with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just kind of assumed that he was lying, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought I would never see him again, you know, and that would just be our thing forever. Oh, we got to start a band together. You know, that was just our thing that we always talked about and always said, but never yeah. did. And... Um, so yeah, he's like, no, but like for real, for real, like do it. Like we're going to be a band, a real band. And I was just kind of like, uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day he went to, you know, fly. He's like, I'm going to fly back there. I'm going to get my stuff and I'm going to come home and we're going to start a band. And he didn't even make it all the way out there. He flew and on his layover, he just turned around and flew home. And, um, he told, he told he, I'll never forget this. He told the lady at the airport, he like went up there with like tears in his eyes and just said like, I made a mistake. I need to go back. And he said, I think she thought I was a runaway or something. Cause she gave me a free ticket. <laughs> oh, so, so he wound up getting scamming a free ticket home and flew back and, um, picked him up from the airport at like six in the morning or even earlier. And that was the day that we just like, were like, uh, all right. Uh, we are a band and that was the that was the moment that inspired handshakes at sunrise that was like the like culmination of uh, everything and yeah from that from that point on we we were together every day writing ideas and that kind of led us to that whole demo moment with EVR that I was talking about uh-huh. earlier and um yeah and then we just slowly started building the band and like yeah, but pretty much from that moment that he got off that plane, it was a hundred percent all in. We knew that neither one of us was gonna get a job or do anything else. We would just be homeless if we had to, but we were gonna do it like full on. And um, every step of the way from that point on was just building the ability to be a self-contained unit um, that did nothing but play music and make music, and um, you know our our basic grand idea was just to get a label to pay for a recording and buy us a van or at least put a down payment. So we had a van and we Mm -hmm. could just live in the van. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) So that was our grand plan. And I guess it worked out. Dude, that is, that is perhaps the most romantic, uh, (laughs) romance rom-com moment. I mean, it's touching thinking back on it. I'm sure for you, but that's how these movies start. (laughs) Or yes. end, and that's that's fantastic. I mean, it spawned a band that's now lasted over ten years, toured yes. everywhere. I mean, you guys have have really done it. It's just fantastic. I yeah, no we idea talk about it, it a lot, like just kind of how trippy it is, you know. Because really, um, it seems just like oh yeah, but like really that moment that he decided 
to turn around, like that changed not only our lives, but everyone you see out there with a circuit tattoo, everybody that claims like we're their favorite band and mm -hmm. follows us around and all the people that really say that, you know, this band is important to them. You know, it, it's crazy. Like that one little decision changed a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, by no means do I feel like he, we changed the world or anything. It's just interesting to listen to how, oh, if you trace it back, that decision really was the turning point. And um, it's funny how one decision in your life can really, you know, have a crazy chain reaction. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. it can. And that's, I mean, people in your career and, and your, your industry really get to see that a lot, I think, because you get... Yeah so many you know genuine uh you know stories and people i mean even for our short time you know doing you know warp tours and stuff like hey you know can you play this song it's my friend's favorite song she came to see you last time you were here and died in a car accident on the way home like oh yeah. things like that i mean you think about it would you change what you did or whatever and, and you just got to think about it on a broader scale but but things like that i mean every decision you make is, is just it has ramifications that go beyond us, you know, and, and that's sure. really cool to think about. That, that brings me into my, my next thing I was thinking about here was, did you guys know coming up, you know, and I'm talking from, from Juturna on like uh, till now, how influential you guys were in the scene? I mean, did you guys feel oh, that God, no. or did you guys no. just kind of go at it and, and not really hear the, the, you know, I mean, from a basic level to, what gear are you using to right. songwrite? You know, I remember guys saying, holy shit, Circa started using pods. The yeah. Line 6 pod, I mean, there's no pedal board. I've got to get one of these yeah. now. Like, because Circa <laughs> did it, they were going to do it. And I didn't know if you guys felt that or knew that or just kind of, you know, let that play no. itself out. That's so funny. Um, well, first off, we never, ever got rid of our pedal boards like we all we did was got big we got bigger pedal boards and added the pot onto it <laughs> so um we would never like work i mean at least for me a self-contained one one thing uh you know like one trick pony like or one stop shop just never was what i wanted to do because i have an infatuation with pedals and mm -hmm. i love having a, a slew of them and i like having just the ability to turn knobs while I'm playing and do weird shit like that. But the pod was a really great um, solution to, for me, it was a really great solution of, oh, I have these basic effects that are time-based that are really a pain in the ass to change on the fly, especially if I need to change back and forth. So I could kind of have a, I could have the tap already dialed in and I wouldn't have to think about that. So it freed me up to think about like, you know, what can I do with my super octave? What can I do with this pedal? What can mm -hmm. I do with that pedal? Um, all the kind of extra stuff that really probably is what the mind fuck affects for other guitar players listening to. Like, how are you doing that? Um, you know, now at this point, you can, there's all kinds of different ways you can accomplish that. But mm -hmm. for me, that was the exciting thing about the pod was that it took care of like, oh, my basic delay and uh, chorus like effect is already taken care of. What else can I do? you know, add into the mix. Um, now that I have that extra split second with my foot. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, dude, no, <laughs> we were coming from a very, we were coming from, you know, like I said, we were outcasts. So we sure. never expected to be, um, embraced by the quote unquote scene. In fact, we second guessed our, our decision to go with equal vision in the beginning, not because of who they were as a label, but really like who we were as a band. We felt like, god these people are gonna hate us everybody's gonna hate us um because we're not we're not aggressive enough to be considered like hardcore or even post-hardcore you know this is juturna time anyway mm -hmm. obviously we started making some more rock and stuff eventually but that record especially was very you know decidedly not moshy yeah. <laughs> you know at all no heavy parts no screaming um, I felt like even in general, our essential vibe didn't even fit into a quote unquote emo framework. It didn't really, it was just weird. You know, it was dark. It, we wanted it to sound like more like a classic rock record that, mm -hmm. that didn't have that 
Pro Tools, uh, you know, boom bast. You know, he wanted it to sound kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, effeminate, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. kind of like uh, decidedly strange and decidedly uh, bluesy. And um, so we really expected it to be like, well, you know, I mean, to be honest, I... I think most of us expected the band to, to maybe last one record, two records. Like mm-hmm. we did not foresee this. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no way we could have possibly known that. And even during the first two albums, I think we were just on the road constantly and playing. And yeah, we definitely noticed, you know, that, okay, we're building a fan base, but I don't think, yeah, every success, every aspect of like people um, liking the band and championing the band always came as a surprise. And even to this day, there's still moments where I think we all are always consistently uh, in a state of almost amnesia when it comes to that. Because I think um, I maybe it's a, a punk rock value of sorts. I don't really know, but, you know, we're we're just always kind of like flattered and surprised when people say that we've influenced them or Mm -hmm. that we've had some kind of impact on, you know, the scene. That's like still hard for me to, you know, swallow. Yeah. I don't really, I don't know, you know, well, I think you guys were the shot in the arm the scene needed at the time. I mean, and that's, I think that's the biggest thing is, is it just kind of forced everyone else to take a look back, take a step back and say, Whoa, you know, and, and I think that yeah. happens, you know, it, it's like lightning in a bottle where, you know, it just happens when it needs to happen. And it's, it's, uh, I think it worked really well for you guys. And I think it worked really well for the scene. I mean, it challenged people to, to take a different approach to songwriting. And I think it really, I mean, it, looking back, I think it really influenced a lot of bands and, and, uh, you know, whether or not it was as a conscious decision. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment as you were saying. Um, thanks man how how uh with that being said too with with such a big catalog how present would you say you are on stage i mean is it a lot of muscle memory at this point or are you still do you still need to uh kind of a weird question but but focus 100 percent? like you said you know you can take your mind off this with this pedal already being set oh right yeah you know Um, are you do you still is it still an like a hard like a really hard challenge for you to get through the set or is it more of just a uh, just an output and just flowing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the only time it's really, um, you know, a challenge in that way, I think is probably, um, introducing new songs and like learning that muscle memory that you talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, but my goal is always to get through that as fast as possible so that I can get to that place of really, um, you know, for lack of a better word, like, you know, get to that spiritual experience of what, playing music uh as a band has really been consistently now since the beginning of this band for me Mm -hmm. um you know this day forward you know that whole that whole experience as a band i I would say 90 percent of my experiences on stage um were split 50 50 of like uh, expressing a feeling and being challenged to accomplish the the music that we wrote and perform it. Um, I would say, you know, as far as Circa goes, I would say, like, I consistently, like, nine out of ten uh, times when I go on stage, I completely lose myself and are I'm just completely immersed in the experience of performing with those guys and... and um, you know what it feels like to have the audience with us uh yeah it's we're so lucky but mm-hmm. that that is really like i i would say um you know when i look at even just like my health and just like where i am like i think i i attribute playing in this band for 10 years to have really added years onto my life because of how uh, amazing I feel every night when I walk off stage. It's mm-hmm. like, um, it's truly, uh, a blessing and a gift to, to have that. So, yeah, I don't think about it too much. It's more so I, I try to get through those awkward stages of, with songs and learn, 
learn the you know the pedal switches and the you know the stuff on the guitar so that i can get into that zone of just completely forgetting that i'm even there Mm -hmm. and just kind of communing got it dude that's that's i mean and i'm glad to hear that because that's i mean that's the way it looks from the crowd awesome is you can just see i mean you guys are just immersed and yeah it's such a (laughs) such a cool thing to see it and uh um I, i wanted to touch quickly on um, you, so you did the Juturna 10 year anniversary, uh, yeah. tour, and now you're coming up on the on letting go anniversary tour. How yeah. was that experience doing a, a, I hate to use the word nostalgia tour, but doing yeah. something like that is probably more for the fans than you guys. Um, how, how did yeah. that go for you? I mean, you guys are always pushing, pushing forward. So stepping back into a period of time, um, how did that feel? Felt awesome, man. I mean, com- to be completely honest, you know, we're, we're all, you know, I think you, you share the same sentiment of that. We all come from a time where, um, the experience of a, of a record of a, of like the, the whole package, you know, like every song, how they flow into each other, the order of it. Um, you know, that was just how we all digested music. It wasn't on like a song by song basis. It was more so you get an album and you listen to it from front to back and then that you, and then you have your opinion and your kind of like uh, experience of it. And for us, you know, I think that's so exciting to get to perform an album from start to finish in that way and focus on one album and one, one, uh, you know, spot in time. Um, it's interesting. I think a lot of bands, I could definitely see how maybe it would be difficult for some bands. Um, especially if you're in a, fragile place with your ego and feel like you know oh you know we're just like a nostalgia act or whatever yeah but i think because we've been so active for so long and we we are even even whenever we're planning an anniversary tour like this or the last one we're in the middle of doing something new for the band too so it's uh it's just part of it's just part of the deal and it's something that we see it as a celebration um, of something that brought us to where we are now and it's crucial. So, um, you know, we weren't like a hundred percent sold that we were going to do another one, but we were like, we'll do this one and see how it goes. And, uh, it was just so fun. Uh, it was such, it was such a cool thing to do. And it was one of those, uh, weird kind of experiences where, you'd walk off stage feeling like you just got warmed up. Like you barely even <laughs> played or just kind of like, Holy shit. Like that was the whole show. Like we're just used to like, you know, being completely dead coming off stage. But you know, it was, uh, I, I don't want to say it was easy. It was just like, wow, that was just total. That was so enjoyable. <laughs> like there was sure. not one second that, you know, it, it felt like, uh, yeah, those sets would just fly. They just flew by. So it was rejuvenating. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'd say another huge part of why it was so fun and so cool was that it really, um, we, we did these VIP things, right? Mm-hmm. So you do you do a VIP experience uh, thing where people, we had been doing them beforehand too. We did it with a couple tours before that with the census and, and stuff. Um but we decided to do add in a Q&A rather than a meet and greet because we felt like the meet and greets were just getting cannibalized by like selfies and that's all it was. And yeah. We weren't even really talking to people. So we felt like let's get rid of the selfie session and let's do a Q&A. Um, not in a way that we're sitting on stage with microphone and a, and a seat, but we're all sitting in a room together like Indian style on the ground and mm-hmm. we let people ask questions and we can just talk about it. And so we just did these Q and a sessions every day with these, these VIP people and they just asked questions about that record and about that time period and, and just making the albums. And, um, and it was just so fun to like relive all these kind of memories and talk about, you know, the weird, funny stories that would happen when we made it and kind of the beginning of the band and where we were at that point. Um, yeah. And I think that was very, not only was it fun for us, but it really felt like, wow, like, I actually feel like the, the VIP sessions are like some of the, the, the best interviews we've ever really given because essentially they're just like so informal and just people who really care about the band asking interesting questions. And, um, 
yeah, it was super, super fun. And, uh, it, it kind of gave an, a new meaning to that whole experience of like, like learning about our ourselves in, in a new way and hearing each other's perspectives of the way it was for them back then, because, you know, we were just all, you know, going through it together, not necessarily dissecting it as it happened. Yeah. Um, so talking about it, you know, in hindsight was really fun and, um, kind of cathartic too. Yeah, I bet, man. And so you're, yeah. so I mean, you're sure you're really looking forward to this on letting go tour and, and, uh, totally. it's going to be, is it, I, I don't have it in front of me. It's going to be next year. Yeah, it's uh, it's January. It starts it goes uh, January to the end of February, so it's almost two months. And there's a break in in the middle of it. We kind of um, separated it into two halves and um, put a little break in there because sure. it's just we're we're trying a new thing with our touring as we get older and people have other things that are important to them, like mm-hmm. families and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a nice thing to have that break in the middle of it. So you're not gone for two months in a row and Mm -hmm. um, you have a little bit of like a touch base, go home, rejuvenate, recharge for a little bit and then go back out and finish. Um, So yeah, um, it's next year, early next year. So you're going to have, I mean, you're going to be well into this new record too. Are you guys going to play some new songs or are you going to keep it strictly? um... I think we're going to strictly keep it on letting go because, um, you know, each record comes along with a slew of B-sides and other things that, you know, are just associated with that time period. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff that otherwise doesn't ever get to be played or, you know, see the light of day. So we like to, that was a rule we made for Juturna where we just kept it strictly Juturna and Juturna era. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we were kind of going to continue that with each, anytime we do something like this, it's like, Oh, well, now we can play these B sides that we released and we can play these unreleased tracks and use them as like interludes and jam mm-hmm. on this. And, um, it's just kind of a cool way to set up a little rule for yourself and it takes off the pressure of trying to figure out, well, if we're going to play any other songs, how do we even figure out what those songs are? Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a really hard thing to figure out. Um, so for us, we were just like, eh, just keep it strict. And then we'll do another tour later on in that year for the new record and uh-huh. we'll play everything. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, a couple more things I want to touch on real quick before we wrap it up. Sure. Colin, I, I we haven't talked about your artwork at all, and that's something another yeah. thing that I had no <laughs> idea you did. And uh, yeah. you're living, and also um, to add to that list that you live in Portland, like five minutes from me. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea. And and uh, Wes Hubbard, Wooden Cyclops. Uh, yeah. He's doing his artwork, and he's like, "Hey, did you know Colin's living in Portland?" I was like, "Are you serious?" And uh, he's like, yeah, he's a great artist. I was like, well, at that point, I'd seen the artwork and, and knew all about it. But um, you have a you have a website, correct? Is, is it ColinFrangiceto.com? It is, yes. Okay, and you're still, and you you do some really cool stuff. And you're one thing I thought was cool is is uh, the last thing you did, you did like a 24 hour. Say it'll be available for this 24 hours, and then it's gone. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. And have you done that before? I have done it. Um, I've done it like one or two times before, and uh, yeah, it's just a really, it's a really fun when when you get to doing art stuff, and then you get into the like merchandise side of it. It's just something that's just really. It's the same thing as being in a band where you know you can have the same old stuff, or you can just kind of make it up as you go. And mm-hmm. there's just all these people doing interesting things like that. Um, you know. Even, you know, a limited edition is cool, but if you put a kind of, like, uh, a cap on how long people can buy... Like, imagine if you only sell, sold a record for 24 hours, yeah. like, that, 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 or, like, a song, and that's only, it's the only time you can get it. It's just interesting to see what, the, you know, who that brings out and what, um, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's a fun way to do things, but, sure. yeah. Well, check it, definitely check it out at colinfrangicetto.com. Check out Colin's artwork, and, and everyone knows where to find your music. Um, but I, I really enjoyed our talk today, Colin. I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy out there and trying to get stuff done. But, um, yeah, no problem. I really wanted to say thanks, and it was really great to reconnect with you and, and uh, chat about some old times and some new times and, and uh, all that. Yeah. So 
Um, well, we can do it again. So anytime you want to do it, uh, just let me know, and we can always just kind of uh, continue from where we left off. Awesome. I'd love to do a part two and and uh, sure. maybe bring Brandon in and get him on the podcast if he's oh yeah he's down. But uh, yeah, this will be uh, coming out shortly. Um, I've been kind of recording episodes in advance to be able to have enough content to put out right away, and and uh, trying to do it smart. So. Cool. But sounds good, man. All right, buddy. Well, thanks a lot and have fun riding and uh we'll get in touch when you get back in town. Sounds good, man. All right, thanks, Colin. All right, talk to you soon. Bye. All right, folks, that was my conversation with Colin Frangicetto from Circa Survive. Once again, you can check out his artwork at ColinFrangicetto.com. You can check out Circa Survive's music on CircaSurvive.com. You can also check us out at PurePleasurePodcast.com, JabberjawMedia.com. We're also available on Twitter, at PodPeerPleasure. Also on Instagram, at PeerPleasurePod. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always reach me at PeerPleasurePod at gmail.com. I love getting the emails, the comments, the questions. Uh, Keep them coming in. We're going to have more great guests coming on every single week here on the Peer Pleasure Podcast. We're glad to have you. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.